So Jason, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, I had Rob Paulson on a couple weeks ago and he shared his uh, cancer story and I told him that I vaccinated my son about two years ago now and my daughter who will be 11 next year will also get the vaccination. His eyes lit up and he said that totally made his day and he reached out to his PR rep who also reps you, Lori, and immediately I got a response from her that Jason may be someone who I'd want to talk to, and I followed your story, and it's very inspirational. So if you can just give a little bit of background about yourself and uh, how you um, found out about your cancer. Sure, and again, you want to know a little bit about me, but as well as the cancer, and I'll give you the whole thing, and if it's too much, just tell me to you know, move on if oh, that's okay. Yeah. Um, so back in 2014, I was 44. My twins were 12 boy-girl twins. My son was six, and I was taking a financial exam. So our family business, we appraise life insurance for a living. I'm president of our firm. I was taking a financial exam. Um, I put my hand on my face to ponder a question, hand on, to, moved it down to my neck, felt a small bump. Really at the time thought, you know what? I don't have time to think about dying right now. I'm going to pass this test and moved on. I um, passed the test, went to my father, who's a physician, a dermatologist, and said, what's this? He said, let's call the ear, nose, and throat doctor. I did. He said, hey, you don't smoke, you don't drink. Come see me in a few weeks. So I'm a guy that goes to the doctor. And so that was a Thursday. On Monday, I was at the doctor. Uh, let me add also, which I should have mentioned up front. Um, so today I'm 50. My I've been married almost 24 years. My twins are almost 19, sons um, just turned 13. But at the end of the day, I go to the doctor. The doctor sees the bump. He says, let's immediately put you on an, um, 10 days of antibiotics and steroids. I had literally had no symptoms other than that bump. I, two days later, flew to the Keys on vacation with my wife and friends. That Sunday flew to DC where I lobbied on Capitol Hill for the life insurance industry. And the reason I'm telling you all this is because I was feeling as healthy as I had felt in years. Two days later on Wednesday, I flew home. Thursday had a CAT scan. Friday had a needle biopsy. And Monday found out I had stage four HPV tonsil cancer. Wow. And so I know that was a background leading up to that. But my point was, it's not like I felt something in my throat, which many people do, which we'll talk about later, or sores in my mouth that aren't healing. I literally had no symptoms but a bump on my neck. And I shave every day, every other day, something like that, and um, had never seen that bump before. And so I had those, you know, those tests, and I just honestly was in shock. I had never heard of... HPV-related tonsil cancer, or what I, later I learned to be oropharyngeal cancer, which, by the way, it took me like a week to learn how to spell. Right. I'm joking. <laughs> but um, which which really means tongue throat tonsil, right? At yeah. the end of the day. Um, should, can I keep going? Or oh no, you, absolutely like, no. This is yeah. Okay, so um, HPV, which many of the people listening may already know, but I didn't know at the time, um, is the most common sexually transmitted disease on the planet. Um, I had never heard of HPV related throat cancer, like I said, and had never known anyone to have it. And which the reason I think that's important is because most people know someone who has had breast cancer right, or prostate cancer or 
lung cancer or, you know, ovarian cancer, whatever the cancer is, most people know someone who's had it. And what we'll soon talk about or later, I'm sure, is the vaccine and um, to protect people from the cancer that I was diagnosed with. But at the time, I'm like, I don't know what this is. And like I told you, my dad's a dermatologist, so I was raised in a medical family, a lot of medical terms, never heard of it. So um, get diagnosed, find out I'm going to need seven weeks of chemo, radiation, and a feeding tube. And um, if it's okay, I'll tell you just what that was like as far as just finding out you have cancer out of nowhere. Right. Unless you have questions, and I should stop talking. Oh no, no, I'm, this this is fascinating. So go right ahead. Okay, so I find out I have cancer, um, which is a weird thing, honestly. At the end of the day, I was 44. I was in the best weight and shape of my life, and all I could think about was, I can't believe it's me. I know other people have had cancer. I right. know people whose parents have had cancer, but not me. And I remember thinking at the time, I was with my father and my wife at the time, and I've been friends with my wife since I've been 10 years old, so like we are buddies, and um, she's awesome. And as we were driving home, I made a few phone calls to family members, but I, I also called my two life insurance agents, and I said, listen, I need you to make sure that my life insurance is on automatic draft. And they were like, Jason, what are you talking about? I said, I just found out I have cancer. I cannot afford for these policies to lapse. I handle the finances in our house. My wife and I make decisions together, but I handle the finances. And I don't want some weirdo taking care of my kids, some, you know, my wife marrying some guy for money, and not that she would do that. But I remember thinking at the time, these can't lapse. And um, I called a friend of mine who's a radiation oncologist and said, looks like I'm becoming your patient. He's like, Jason, what are you talking about? And... Again, at the end of the day, I start researching online head and neck cancer, which I'm not sure if you know a lot about head and neck cancer, but I knew nothing. No. Right? I mean, all these other cancers I had known about. Right. But I knew nothing about it. And so as I researched online, I saw pictures of people and heard stories of people with their jaws cracking, their hearing loss, no saliva, teeth falling out. I learned all of these things, which again, not to scare people, but if you have a head and neck cancer caused from smoking and drinking, your survival, chance of survival is less than 35%. If you have head and neck cancer as a result of HPV, which is the most common cause of head and neck cancer today, um, your survival rate is 85% or greater. Okay. And so as I did more research and became more and more depressed, because I couldn't figure out what it, what the difference was in all these different you know stories. Right. That's when years later I survive and I decide I'm starting my website Superman HPV to provide inspiration and information for those diagnosed and or researching HPV HPV related cancers and the HPV vaccine. So. I can keep going with my story. I just wanted to tie it all together for you up front so you can understand how I went from, you know, probably like you, the, you know, the father who's working 50 to 70 hours a week, going on date night with my, with my wife, although with COVID it's complicated, obviously, right. today. <laughs> but trying to be, you know, date night once a week, you know, 
father of the year trying to be that, going to all the kids' sporting events, to all of a sudden, you know, let me tell you as well, my brother is my next-door neighbor. My parents live five minutes from me. Okay. My sisters do as well, so we're always together. Right. And all of a sudden, someone says, hey, you have cancer. And now you need to fit radiation in five days a week for seven weeks. Chemo in pretty much takes like six to eight hours one day a week. And you're going to be in bed maybe 18 hours a day for a month. It like disrupts your whole life. And so I don't know if I should stop here if you have more questions or if you yeah, no, are enjoying I, this. Yeah, no, I, I have a couple of questions. Uh, now, like when you found out, like how quickly did you tell your family? So, you know, it's an interesting question because it depends on who you're talking about in my family. So like your my wife, wife and kids, knew immediately. Yeah. Okay. My parents, siblings, they all knew immediately. I tried not to tell my kids. Right. Because, you know, in life, it's hard enough to be a kid, let alone having to worry that your father's going to be dying. And at the time I got diagnosed, you hear stage four cancer, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And, and to tell you, I even made videos to my kids saying goodbye. Okay. Which people always ask, you know, you know, why don't you, why didn't you survive and move on and leave, you know, telling your story in the past? And the reason I share my story is really to hopefully educate people about this cancer and to stop other parents from ever having to make videos to their kids saying goodbye because the videos went something like this. One day you're going to get married. I'm not going to be there. This is what's important. And I told, and I practiced those videos, you know, over and over and over again, because I would finish this two or three minute video to my daughter or my son and then, you know, mess up at the end. And I'm like, well, I can't, I have to do this over because I don't want this to be the last thing they remember. Right, right. But, um, but I told my kids really towards the end of treatment, like when it was becoming more obvious, the first few weeks of chemo and radiation, it was pretty much easy. Right. But, but as I became tired, I never became irritable because quite honestly, I wouldn't allow myself yeah. to get depressed or be irritable in front of my wife or kids. So I didn't want my kids to worry about me. But as it became more obvious, like why is dad in bed all the time, um, I let them know that, that I was going to survive and that I was going to be okay. And then I told them what the situation was. Um, and it was, you know, I have a funny story for you. You know, maybe it's now if you want to hear it. Oh, but, go ahead. Yeah. You know, would you rather me tell you later? Oh, no, 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 fine. right now it's fine. Go ahead. It's a funny story. Um, so years after surviving cancer, my now 13 year old. So this was back in, in, um, sixth grade, so two years ago, he comes home from middle school. And so this is like, right, four years after cancer. He comes right. home from middle school and he says, Dad, did you get cancer from oral sex? I go, Adam, why are you asking me that? He goes, because in our class today, they were having us Google people's parents to learn about parents, see what the internet, you know, right. it was like a class project. And you were all over the internet okay. <laughs> regarding your cancer, right? like all over, right? I'm like probably 10 pages of the internet and, and you know, just, I'm all over it. Right. And, and he goes, I learned that today, but he goes, Dad, I'll be honest with you. I was worried it was going to become a big issue, but some other kids 
you know, some other kid in the class, his father was arrested and all the attention went to him. <laughs> and so it was very funny, but, yeah. um, I just thought you would appreciate that story. So at the end of the day, right. um, I told them all at the time, um, really my older kids, cause what does my you know, six and seven year old really need to know about at that time? Right, true. Um, but they knew I had cancer. They didn't necessarily know where it came from. And as my kids got older, they learned. And so I told them, because pretty much, like I said, my cancer story has been shared in a lot of places. So it became clear. I thought I would explain to them ahead of time. Right. Now, what were some of their questions when they found out? So, you know, my kids just wanted to know really more about it. Now, are you asking specifically about HPV? Like, so I'm not. I'm not shy about this. Right. And, and, and let me tie your question to another question I got asked by a family friend. Sure. Someone asked why I wasn't embarrassed to tell people that I had HPV related tonsil cancer. Because people know that it came from, most likely, my doctors believe, through oral sex with a woman when I was in college, when I was around 18 or 19. Right. And at the right. time, I was 44. Today I'm 50. But. And I did my research, and what I realized and learned very quickly was that three out of four adults by age 30 have HPV. I'll repeat that. Three out of four adults by age 30 have HPV, 62% are freshmen in college, and men between 40 and 60 are the most highly diagnosed decades after being exposed. Um, out of 100 people that get exposed to HPV, 98% of them, their body fights off the virus. They never knew they had it. It's 2% like me that decades later, they can end up with cancer. So, so those are some of the facts that, that made me feel comfortable in sharing my story, knowing that most people are going to be exposed. Most people are going to get HPV. Most people aren't going to have to deal with the cancer aspect because the body will fight it off. But why would I ever be embarrassed? So back to your question about my kids, you know, I told my kids, you know, it probably happened through oral sex in college. And, and I honestly just laid it all out for them, not in detail, obviously, but that was enough. And that they would be protected because there was a vaccine that could protect them from the cancer that I was diagnosed with. Because people always want to know, you know, is it genetic? Right. Am I going to get that? You know, so forth and so on. And so, you know, there's a peace of mind knowing, unlike other cancers, that because I gave my kids the vaccine, they're protected from preventable cancer. I hope that addresses your question. Oh, no, it, it did. Yeah, because I'm sure that would have been, like, one of my, you know, kids' first questions is, like, is it, you know, hereditary? Could, you know, this be passed on, you know, to one, to one of my children? So, yeah, no, that's that definitely answered my question. Did you know that you had HPV before that? So, no. I mean, I'll be honest. I never even thought of HPV. Like, back right. then, what were you thinking about? I mean, again... I'm older than you, but when I was in college, you're worried about getting someone pregnant. You're worried about, you know, you see HIV, you see right. all these other things. Yeah. Getting HPV or pharyngeal cancer from oral sex, I literally had never heard of that. Right. I mean, had you ever heard of it? No. Before, I, I, you know, I mean, it wasn't like a thing. Now you watch TV and they have commercials with the American Cancer Society and, you know, and there's a lot of advocacy and, and work that's out there that people are going public. I am... Um, you, you likely already know about this, but I serve on the executive board for the Head Neck Cancer Alliance, which, again, great source of information. You, it, their website's head, the word and spelled out, neck.org. But, but they have an ambassador program where people are now sharing their story, right? So when 
I was initially sharing my story, people were like, why aren't you embarrassed? Today, men, women, um, you know, white collar, blue collar, professionals, um, survivors, patients, and caregivers are going public to help others. And I think it's just an awesome testament of, of the way people realize that what they've been through can really spare others the same pain and agony and that it's preventable. So I, I, that's a long answer again, but I hope it helps. Oh, no. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely did. Going through chemo, like, all the time, just being, like, wiped out, how did it affect your job? I know you're business, so how okay. did it affect that? Yeah, so, you know, it's an interesting question. So I was fortunate in that I could um, work from home on a computer, but reality is there were weeks, probably three to four weeks, that I really couldn't work. I mean, I know this isn't going to sound very exciting to you, but I had third degree burns in my throat. Oh. Right? So when you ask me how it affects me, let me tell you real quickly about the side effects from radiation. Imagine getting a sunburn over and over and over and over again to the same area of your body. And let's make it your throat. So people take swallowing for granted. My throat was in such bad shape that I couldn't swallow my saliva. So I would have to spit it into a large, like, Slurpee-sized cup. I don't know. I assume you know what a Slurpee is. Like, do you oh, yeah, no, of course. Are? Yeah. <laughs> um, a large cup. Yeah. And, and I, at first, the first time I ever did it, I, I poured it into my sink in my bathroom. And my saliva was so thick from the radiation treatment that it wouldn't go down the drain. Wow. I literally had to scoop it out, put it back in the, in the, in the cup and flush it down the toilet. And so take third degree burns in your throat, the fact that you can't swallow. So every time you swallow for the rest of today, think about not swallowing and spitting it out. Sores in your mouth. Um, I ended up getting Charlie horses in my neck from where the surgery was. Gagging and choking 20 to 40 times a day because as I would go to sleep at night, uh, the saliva would cover my breathing way. And it was like someone had a vice grip just around my neck. And so if you ask how it affects my work, you can't work, honestly, when you're medicated or when you can't swallow. So it was like three to four weeks where I was just literally watching Netflix all day long. And so I always tell people, you know, one of the best things about being in bed 18 hours a day for a month is that I got to watch seven years of Lost in two and a half weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Because over and over and over again. um, And if that's humorous, um, a little bit. The other funny thing, people always ask me, probably one of the most common questions when they find out they had, you know, HPV-related yeah. throat cancer is um, people always ask me if that's what Michael Douglas had. Okay. And so okay. I always tell them it's the one thing he and I have in common outside of our love for Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't love her? <laughs> try to find some humor and right, like, no, a crazy, yeah. a really unpleasant situation. So, um, so thank goodness my brother and sister could pick up the slack. So I'm president of our company. My brother's CEO, sister's EVP, father's on the board. We're a 30-person firm, but my brother and sister picked up a tremendous amount of slack when I was out. Right. And I will always, you know, forever be grateful for them being able to do that as I laid in bed, you know, yeah. battling cancer. Right. Because really, when you go through the whole treatment, it's really like a four- to seven-week period to tell. Right. Everything else is pretty tolerable. And that fluctuates a little bit by weeks, but it's pretty much four to seven weeks, which, you know, you're not feeling great. And so every day I had to remind myself, just one more day, it's all temporary. 
and that's what we try to share with others going through this. Right. And then uh, people you know, don't really realize the toll it takes on the spouse as well. So how, how did your wife, how was she affected and how did she kind of pick up the slack kind of taking care of your kids? You know what? So I'm so happy you asked that. So, um, I always describe our family. Do you know the Waltons from years ago? Of course, like yeah. Young boy? Yeah. And do you know my big fat Greek wedding? Oh, definitely, yep. So I always say you meld the two of those together, sprinkle Judaism on top, <laughs> and that's our family. Right. And so we're a really close family. I speak to my parents and my dad all the time, mom and dad, and siblings, and everything else. But it was my wife that honestly was, was just a warrior, and she was a rock. Because her job was to shield my kids from me. And I don't mean that I was dangerous. What I no, mean of course, is, I know. Like I said earlier, hard enough to be a kid. Don't your kids worry that, you know, your dad's going to, that I was going to pass away. So my wife maintained their full schedule. She was as loving as she's always been. And she's been like that forever. Happy go lucky. And she ran the show, right? I was in bed making sure I was good, but also at the same time handling the kids. And the caregiver is so important. Right. I mean, you can't ever take the person who is taking care of the, you know, the patient for granted, because I think they oftentimes do get for, you know, taken for granted. It's kind of like when, you know, someone's pregnant, when your wife is pregnant and everybody, you know, focuses on her and, and no one's asking about like how the father's doing right, during right. the time. Yep. Um, when you have a cancer patient, truly the caregiver is either the one that lifts them up or brings them down. And my wife elevated me in front of my kids. She cared for me with compassion. I'm sure I was brief at certain times and maybe not as pleasant as I always wanted to be. And she honestly managed the process, you know, without, without a glitch. She was just, she was honestly awesome. No, that, that, that's great. That, that's, that's fantastic. You, you, have, you have someone as strong as her to, you know, kind of pick up the mantle and, you know, care for you as well as care for the kids. And that, that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we try to be that for others, right? Because some people, right. you know, get diagnosed with cancer and they're alone. Right. Right. Whether they're not married, whether they're divorced, whether they, you know, are living in a city by themselves. I, you know, I once talked to a single mother um, of three young kids diagnosed with my same cancer. And she had to manage these three kids while going through everything. And I got to lay in bed and watch Netflix. Yeah, right. And so it's really, you know, my heart goes out and my respect goes out to people that do this without support. And I had a full support system. I mean, I understand I had friends sitting with me at chemo. I had friends driving yeah. me to radiation. You know, I mean, that's what we try to do with the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance. We have a, um, a gas card program, which allows people to get to treatment if they don't have the funds to go to get to treatment. Um, and we have, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity and, you know, from a network of support to be able to talk to people on the phone or to, or just, you know, you could be face to face with someone now with Zoom, like, as you know, or people like me and other ambassadors to help people. So, you know, that's what we try to do. No, that's fantastic. Now, um, like I said, I gave my, you know, my son the, the vaccination a couple of years ago. My daughter will have it. Um, just how, how important do you think it is for, I mean, it's kind of like a loaded question, for kids to, to get this vaccination? So let's begin with the fact that, you know, I'm a survivor. Right. I'm not a physician. 
And so I never give medical advice. I have a strong opinion about the vaccine. And I also always refer parents, both um, moms and dads, to speak with their kids' pediatrician or even their own family practice doctors about the vaccine. Um, because again, some people focus on the fact that HPV is you know, a sexually transmitted disease and not the fact that the vaccine protects their kids from cancer, from the virus that most people get. So your question regarding the vaccine, I mean, listen, I described to you already some of what, some of what I went through. If I'm parent has the ability to protect their kid from everything I talked about, third degree burns in the throat, saliva you can't swallow, in bed all the time, cancer that could actually kill them, right? So my cancer had gone from my tonsil to my lymph nodes, two lymph nodes in my neck. It could have spread throughout my whole body had I not acted. Um, I think the vaccine is extremely important. I mean, what's a parent's job to protect their kids? Right. I mean, that's what your job is, right? It's not to take your kids to the park. I mean, that's, I think, important. It's not to travel with your kids on the sports team, although I think that's important as well. Uh, In my opinion, again, and I have a strong opinion about this as a survivor of of this cancer, I think a parent's job is to protect their kids and prepare them for life, education, health, things of that nature. And so, you know, I've seen the commercial that says, you know, mom and dad, did you know, did you know there was a vaccine that could have protected me from HPV-related cancers, right? The number one reason for cervical cancer is HPV. And in the last 24 months, HPV-related throat cancer or or pharyngeal cancer has surpassed cervical cancer. Um, So, yes, I think the vaccine is extremely important unless your physician, for some reason, says your son or daughter shouldn't have it. And, again, let me stress, one of the things that mothers always say to me is, I'm so happy I heard your story. I gave the vaccine to my daughter, not to my son. I had no idea it was for boys. And so I think it's extremely important in case you, you haven't been able to pick that up in my last few minutes of speaking. Yeah, no, I have. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But uh, Jason, your story is so inspiring. Um, everyone check out supermanhpv.com. Where else can everyone find you? Um, were we speaking earlier when I mentioned uh, my website? I don't know if I mentioned it, so it's, it's okay if I say that. Of course. Um, so... I launched Superman HPV back in 2017. Um, I do not think I'm a superhero. I'm not arrogant, not an egomaniac. Um, My friends call me Superman during chemo and radiation. And so I launched the site because I thought it would give people hope and provide them information. And I wanted to be uplifting. So certainly people can contact me, whether it's through my email address, which is jason at supermanhpv.com. Um, I have a Facebook page, Superman HPV, Twitter, Instagram, um, website, obviously, Superman HPV. Um, I know this is not going to be common for you, but my cell phone number is 407-782-5614. I've been giving it out for years um, because if a patient or survivor or caregiver needs my help, people text me or call me, um, but no one's ever abused it, so hopefully that doesn't start now. Right. Um, <laughs> But, but I've had people reach out to me and they need just two minutes of you're going to be okay and you're not alone. And so those are the places people can reach me. That's great. I mean, you might not think you're a Superman, but you are. And your story inspired me and it's going to inspire everyone listening. And like I said, 
it's going to inspire everyone across the across the world, not just the country. But thank you so much for your time today, Jason. Uh, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you taking the time to to listen. So thank you again. And a special thanks to Jason for joining us today. Go check out his website, supermanhpv.com. It's a really, really inspirational story. Uh, and I hope you, ch- you know, check out his website. And if you have a guest suggestion, hit me up on Twitter at the first Noel 19 or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. If you don't have iTunes, not a problem. The show's on SoundCloud. It's also on Podbean. A new episode comes in every week. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you next week.